Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 64. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week we're talking with Robin Robertson of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. She's talking about how she got started on her homeschooling journey and how to involve our kids in their own learning. Children are still humans that have wants and needs and curiosities that usually are very different from their parents. Sometimes they may have similarities, but it's still right to give them the space and support to explore that. Really, it's embracing as well that when they have the space and time to explore those things, the learning becomes their own. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. Over the past few years, I have received thousands of messages from people wanting to know how to get started in homeschooling. These are everyday modern mothers who know very little about homeschooling and never dreamed they would be considering it. They are drawn to the beauty, freedom, and organic way of learning that this lifestyle provides. They want more for their children's futures, and they desperately want more for their childhoods. There will always be people who misunderstand what it means to be wild and free. They assume it means letting kids run amok without any structure at all. There are certainly homeschools that are less structured than others, but you can be wild and free and organized. Some contend that homeschooling isn't rigorous enough to turn out successful adults. On the contrary, homeschooling is driven by a child's innate desire and capacity to learn, which is often inhibited by the conventional school system. Homeschooling can actually provide a more rigorous education than any other. Imagine not being held back by the pace of an entire class. Some people need systems and programs to feel secure. They want prescriptions to follow so they can feel that they've accomplished something. This is why families come away from homeschool conventions with arms full of box curriculums. This fear of missing out, or FOMO as we call it, drives an entire industry of educational products and it's all completely needless. An entire world of advanced learning lies at your fingertips. As a homeschooler, you don't have to merely read about the Revolutionary War. You can visit the actual sites and relive history in the place where it happened. No school bell beckons you back by the three o'clock hour. You don't have to calculate how many gallons of theoretical milk a herd of cows can produce. You can actually milk them yourself and ask the farmer about sustainable farming while you're at it. There are internet search engines, Wikipedia, the Khan Academy, virtual tours of art museums, online courses, and best of all, books. There is nothing you cannot learn, no information you cannot access. Your children's education is not made possible by standardized systems and programs, but rather is limited by them. Every education has learning gaps, even the best private schools and colleges. But somehow, we feel better about those gaps because they're committed by experts with credentials. In homeschooling, the only gaps are in your curiosity and desire to learn. Hear me on this. You don't need a big box curriculum to homeschool your kids, any more than you need a blackboard and a framed teaching degree. If you have a good pair of walking shoes and a library card, you've got all you need. Everything else is icing. We'll hear from Robin Robertson in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you about our new bundle soil that is out right now. Every seasoned gardener shares a relationship with the soil. They know it's the soil that yields an abundant crop, not merely the seeds themselves. 
As parents, we tend to nurture the fruit we see in our children, their passions rising up, their accomplishments each day. We see something growing and we want to help it grow bigger. But the source of that beautiful growth lies in the soil, not the sky. Just as soil requires nutrients, water, and air to produce thriving plants, our children need similar things to help them grow strong, healthy, and happy. Sufficient, not excessive, is how one gardener put it. Nothing good comes from excess. Their health lies in simplicity, meeting their needs and desires, but not heaping upon them more than they can handle. The same is true for our children. Just as soil needs air with gaps and room to breathe, our children also need room to grow and move, meditate and heal. And just as the soil needs to lie fallow at times in order to become rich with nutrients again, the best chance for our children to become healthy, thriving adults is to give them a childhood, to reawaken wonder in our homes and subsequently our homeschools. We must bring our soil back to life. New growth doesn't spring up from the leaf. It always has and always will begin underground. Friends, our new bundle soil is available right now, and it's packed with articles, tutorials, handcrafts, nature journaling, and inspiration for your learning journey. If you sign up right now for our monthly bundles, you'll not only receive this month's soil bundle, but you'll also receive last month's Midsummer Bundle, as well as a welcome kit in the mail, including your first print magazine. For more info or to sign up, just go to bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Robin Robertson is an unschooling mom to two kids, public school board trustee, and host of the insightful and delightful podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Robin jumped into homeschooling several years ago after traveling the world with her family and watching her two children grow and thrive through a curiosity-driven education. Today, she also advocates for homeschooling in her community to bridge the gaps between homeschoolers and local educators. She recently sat down with Jennifer Pepito to talk about her homeschooling journey and how a child's innate sense of curiosity can drive their education. Let's listen in. So tell me a little bit about how you got started unschooling. I'm not sure if you started out homeschooling in the beginning and then transitioned or if that's how you started. Yeah, we started out homeschooling. We did, I think, what a lot do is I tried to replicate school as home, at home as best as I could. Um, we got into unschooling pretty gradually, really. We actually started home educating because my husband and I took our kids traveling we decided to move back to Jamaica, which is where my father's family is from and my father was still living. So we felt that homeschooling would give us a chance to have more freedom, to have a flexible schedule and do the things that we really wanted to do, like spend more time with family and explore the island and all of the wonderful things that comes with all of that. And school schedule didn't work, so we started homeschooling. And so I did the traditional, I had my alarm on my phone, and when we finished phonics, then we would do math, and then we do other reading. You know, it was pretty structured. 
But then um, really what happened was that our days, because we, we left school halfway through the school year, my kids finished all of their school work that the school had sent uh, within like a month. <laughs> and at the rest of the year was open. And I also, you know, I started seeing changes. So things like that where the school learning was completed very quickly. And the other things like having the freedom to play and spending time with family and or at the beach and all of those other things of being outside and the exploration in nature and having time to answer all the questions that they were asking, the natural learning process started happening. And I just saw such a huge love of learning, but also what they were learning was really applicable and it was very... um I guess it's solidified in them. They really understood things because they were living it. And I saw a big contrast be- between the traditional learning structure that way and the natural learning structure of being able to experience life. And so I started to loosen up a, a bit on my, I guess you would say, um, old school traditional ways of education and schooling. And um, we started to just have a lot more freedom. And so we gradually stepped into unschooling or self-directed learning is another term. And um, that's kind of how it came to be. It, it wasn't until much later when I questioned, I thought, you know, am I the only person that's doing this? And am I really wrong or strange for doing this? I started looking it up and I discovered the term unschooling and found out that there's a whole other world out there that uh, embraces it. One of the questions I think that a lot of people have in their mind when they think about unschooling is, you know, do unschooled children just stay in their pajamas all day watching cartoons? They kind of picture (laughs) a completely unstructured lifestyle. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? Sure, there's some days where you do stay in your pajamas and watch movies or documentaries or cartoons. But, you know, I think yeah, I think that speaks to some people think that unschooling means unparenting or just a total free-for-all. And I really find that the majority of unschoolers are not like that. What it really is is um, embracing your child's curiosity and what they are interested in and being a supporter and guide in that really helping them to find the resources to explore what they love, what they're interesting, interested in, and what they're learning. Um, it's much more about freedom as opposed to top-down direction, I guess you would say. It's, it's really respecting the idea that children are still humans that have wants and needs and desires and curiosities that usually are, you know, can be very different from their parents. Sometimes they may have similarities, but, um, you know, it's still right to give them the space and support to explore that. And really it's embracing as well that when they have the space and time to explore those things and the freedom that, uh, you know, the learning really sticks with them, it really becomes their own. It's allowing, supporting that autonomy. Um, So it's, you know, it looks different because it's not the, we have to get up at this time, we have to finish things at this time, uh, we have to do this by this time. There, there's definitely classes that kids can take that are unschoolers, that things that they can learn. But I think the difference is instead of the parent choosing everything, we give space for the children to choose what they want. So there's definitely things that may look like what we, we would think school or certain types of homeschooling, but it's a lot 
more on the choice of the child that's directing that learning and the parents supporting that learning. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've done Charlotte Mason homeschooling for a lot of my 23 years of homeschooling. And so typically, we have sort of a more structured morning where we're reading out loud and doing some projects. But then the afternoon is very free for children to choose what they want to do. So I know that with unschooling, you can't necessarily say there's a typical day, but is there sort of a typical morning rhythm or routine? Um, sure, but I think that really depends on the family, just like with any other family. Um, there's not a like a, a book that says for unschoolers, you should wake up at a certain time or do this in the morning. I, I think really it's dependent on what the family values and and uh, really sees as beneficial for their family. So there's absolutely rhythms in that way. You know, our family has our rhythms that work for our family. I also recognize that maybe it doesn't work for other families as well. But I have my own personal rhythms that I found help my kids. And that's also, you know, I get up earlier and have that space to do my thing so that when my kids get up, they get up later than me, I'm also available to help support them in what they want to do. So the rhythms absolutely happen. And I think that, you know, especially for kids that are growing and developing, having a rhythm or even rituals in the family life is important. And I feel that unschoolers actually have quite strong rhythms and rituals um, in their family life. It's just... uh, you know, it's maybe sometimes it doesn't look as structured as some might think think it is. Oh, I love that. I've been reading the book Atomic Habits this year and getting oh, James yeah. Clear's newsletter, and it's so impactful. And, and that is one thing that I think can be a misconception then about unschooling is that, you know, there's absolutely no rhythm and it's just completely whatever you feel like doing, which you know, I think there's, it's important to listen to our internal longings. But on the other hand, you know, to me, there are some rhythms that are helpful, like you said, for developing a secure home even. So could you talk about, even though you're not giving prescriptions for how to do this, I think that families who are curious about unschooling would love to hear about your rhythms. Yeah, sure. Uh, So our rhythms, I can give an example of like, I think probably the best is our morning rhythms. Uh, I wake up early in the morning. Uh, I like my my time to myself as well. So I find that I wake up quite early and I, you know, I have my podcast. So that requires also some quiet time and creative time. Um, And I have other work that I do as well inside and outside of the home. So those early mornings give me time to do that. And also, if there's anything that my kids have been interested in and they need some help with finding resources and things, I take the time to do that. Um, And after that, that's my, you know, my coffee and time to like meditate or journal and plan and work. And then usually my daughter is the one who wakes up next. And she is, her and I usually actually read when she first wakes up, we have kind of some time to really connect and, and sit together and we read out loud. Uh, she It's always books that she chooses and sometimes it's a novel that we read through from beginning to end and take the time. Sometimes there'll be shorter books. Uh, and then my son gets up and, you know, my kids are, my son's turning 14, my daughter's 11, so they're getting older. Uh, we've, we've homeschooled for eight years or home educated for eight years. So, um, they, they have their, the routines are starting to change a little bit too, as they're going into their teenagers. Um, but my husband, my, my, sorry, my son gets up and he loves playing the guitar and that's kind of his morning wake up. 
he takes time to sit and play his guitar. It's kind of like his meditation, I guess, in a way. And then we have breakfast. And then after that, I really, you know, ask them what they would like to do, what they maybe need some support from me on. Uh, Many times, actually, though, we begin the week on a Sunday or the night before my kids will talk about or write down in their own journals things that they want to do or explore or learn or just be part of. And so the rest of the day is supporting them on that. Um, And then there's things like you know, we also, the four of us, my husband, my kids, and I believe that our family is definitely a team unit. And there's many things because we live in a rural area, there's many things around our farmyard and house that we need help with. So there's things that the kids do to help, um, like feed the animals and, and things like that, clean up around the yard and home that just helps us all to thrive a little bit more. So I think that's kind of a basic routine laid out or rhythm laid out, but that's kind of what it looks like in the day for us. Join us for three days of adventure as we serve our noble king, search for his lost knights, and seek to reclaim glory for the kingdom. You'll be assigned to one of several factions that competes for the king's honour, undertakes conquests, feasts together in the Mead Hall, and celebrates victories with merriment and revelry into the night. But be wary, friends. Enemies of the king lurk at every turn. You know not whether someone is truly friend or foe. You will be given assignments by the king himself, learn new skills from an ancient time, and be called upon to protect the village from those who would bring it harm. There will be fun. There will be feasting. There will be fiefdom. To join the adventure, visit bewildandfree.org forward slash medieval. I think that some families are facing a season with their children, especially maybe families who've been in a real rigorous schooling where the teacher tells them everything to do, mm-hmm. where their children are in a situation where they don't even know what they want to do. They don't, if you ask them, what do you want to learn? What do you want to, what do you want to read? What do you want to do? They don't even know, you know, probably a little bit of burnout, maybe even borderline depression. How do you help a child who is, so burn out from formal schooling that they don't even know what they want to do? Mm, That's such a great question. And that's actually a question that's come up quite often because with the start of COVID, right, a couple months ago, um, it's definitely hard to, hmm, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. With self-directed learning, it's not easy. It's definitely something that you build because, you know, confident learners, as you say, are a reflection of the connection between positive self-beliefs, motivation, and autonomy. But if sometimes it's something that you really have to build and work on, if you've never had autonomy, if you've never had the chance to exercise that autonomy, you can't just necessarily jump into it all of a sudden and things are going to work out perfectly. It's a continuous practice, even for, for families that have been involved in self-directed learning for a long time especially if you're coming from a place where you're used to wait to be told what to do. Um, All of a sudden, having that time and space can be a little bit daunting, right? Sometimes having self-responsibility is a lot, right? So 
I would suggest taking it slow uh, instead of all of a sudden being, you know, you're on your own. This is what we're, you know, the day's open. Here you go. Some kids actually that works for us, some kids actually have needed and begged for that space and, you know, might do well. Some, But for others, they, I would suggest, you know, maybe having a looser structure. But the biggest thing is taking the time to communicate with your child and understand them and asking for their input. And I think that's the biggest thing is knowing that you have a say and a voice. That's a huge, that's self-directed learning. So maybe you're helping to structure the day or the program if you're coming from something that was previously rigorous, but working on it together because it's your child's learning space. So letting them know, yes, I hear that you know, you love trees. How do, yeah, what do you think is a great idea to incorporate this into tomorrow's lesson or just something we're going to do tomorrow? Do you have ideas that we can explore and do that? And usually our kids, like, they have better ideas than we do. They know most times what they want, but giving the space to first communicate with them instead of choosing it all and laying it out for them to do, having them be part of that learning process, because I think that's the most important and, um, Unschooling and self-directed learning is having that voice and knowing that you are still a, uh, the child is still guiding that learning for themselves. I love that. And I have seven children and the, oh, wow. I've graduated, yeah, I've graduated the oldest four from high school. And then in my high school, we were very laid back. You know, I think that for one thing, the subjects are to get over my head to some degree. And so I farm them out or I let them be independent learners. And then partly because I had so many kids, I was busy with younger children. So I'd be like, here's your, here's your work, but not actually a lot of accountability. So we semi unschooled in high school and my oldest daughter just finished her law school coursework. My oldest son just graduated summa cum laude from university. And my third son just, um, who says homeschooler is my fourth university? Right? Yes, exactly. My exactly my fourth my fourth son just uh, graduated from Coast Guard boot camp as the top recruit. So I've seen that a very loose schedule in high school, as opposed to the rigorous academics where it's just so high pressure. I've seen that it can work to develop strong learners. Part of what we did was put them in community college classes. But I'd love to hear because you've talked to so many unschooling high school families and you're playing playing it out and using it right now for your own child. What are some of the skills and tips you think that can help unschooling families in the high school years? Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting because talking to and knowing quite a few unschooling families, especially ones that are have older kids or kids that have gone on to university as well, um, some, you know, the experience of really getting to know your kids and allowing them to have that voice and supporting their interests. Some of the things, um, you know, project-based learning is something that some unschoolers really embrace because finding ways through a child's interest that they can, um, if you have to, for example, if you have to if you're in a program or say you have to be part of a program where you're looking for a certain goal, like going into a certain program for university or something like that, um, and you need to have certain things, many times when our kids have the time in unschooling to really explore their their passions, they end up learning and covering a lot of those requirements. Uh, we just don't always necessarily know that. So, you know, sometimes I what what's good is having a portfolio or a documentation process, even if it's just photos, keeping track of their 
projects, uh, their activities, things that they do, and then going back with them and just even looking through. And it's almost like, a, I think Pamela Rakia, who's also an unschooler in Canada, she talks about kind of the the spider web of learning, how over time the spider web grows and expands, but it all ends up being connected. But sometimes to really understand that spider web in self-directed learning, sometimes it's nice to document it and have it out so you can see it visually or you can see where it all relates. Um, so those are some things, but also connecting to mentors because you usually have the time as well. Finding others in the community that can be a mentor or support uh, that can that have maybe a specialization to help your kids in that high school process. Uh, some take classes, really understanding where your child wants to be and what fits for them and the best way that you can support, support them. I know unschoolers that have unschooled all their life and they They've gone to the, the done their last two years of high school, and it's worked really well for them because they've gone in and they've chosen to do it, and they've been very motivated. I know some that have kept unschooling, and they've found a way through maybe challenging exams or um, doing college classes. We don't have community college here in Canada. I'm in Canada, um, but there's different ways that they've been able to, if they're going to post secondary, uh, get in through that way. Uh, waiting until they're an older student uh, or following a career that they've actually already dove into because they've had that time. And during those high school years, they've really focused on that area, say it's photography, or say it's building uh, carpentry or science or something like that. So I love that. And I think that one of the most important things about giving a high school student more time to pursue their own interests is that that typically is the key to success in an area. If you look at some of the research on the thousand hours or the 10,000 hours, you know, a lot of these people, the Beatles, um, you know, some Mm -hmm. of the really the tech founders had many, many hours that they were able to devote to their craft. And that's how they became excellent in it, as opposed to spending a little bit of time on a lot of different things. Right. I think the Beatles, was, didn't, isn't the story like they sang in a bar for how many, like how many months or years before they even became famous? So they kind of nailed their songs and performance down before they got big. So once exactly. they did, they had put those hours in. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So one last question before we close, I think that I've had a few emails about the early years grading and evaluations. And I'm, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not a fan of grading in the early years. I feel like it's counterproductive. But I think some families are dealing with a charter school or some other situation where they have to hand in some kind of evaluation. So how do you help families or how do unschooling families kind of have some way to measure progress? Mm. Uh, I think that goes back again. Actually, I, you know, being here in Canada, because our education system is a bit different from the United States as well, especially provincially, um, we have different rules and regulations as homeschoolers and unschoolers. Where I live, every homeschooler, unschooler has to register with the government, with our education department, and we actually have to provide a yearly home education plan, whether we unschool or not, no matter what kind of homeschooler we are. Um, so... I do help unschooling families create their home education plan, uh, 
because that's something we have to do, but there are definitely ways that you can uh, document and connect those vital pieces if you have to uh, give them over to a school or um, office, for example. You know, the interesting thing, especially in the early years, I find that it actually ends up being quite fun and easy in some ways in the early years because, you know, I'm a big supporter of play and allowing free play for our kids. Play, you know, every, you know, psychologists, developmental, neuroscientists will tell you that play is such an important aspect of learning and development. And so many of our learning tools come from play and free play. So there's, you know, there's many things that uh, kids play and do that actually you can, if you really want to look at incorporate into other subjects. So for example, things like playing with Lego, Uh, You know, there's so many problem-solving skills, analytical skills, math skills, counting, sorting, uh, different representation that if you have to relate that and document that, you can. Um, Reading and literature, uh, you know, just creating a fantastic reading environment where usually the kids are going to, maybe they want you to read a book to them out loud or you'll, you'll see they want to try reading it on their own. Maybe they want to draw pictures while you're telling the story all of that is literacy. It's all, you know, it's all interwoven together. Uh, Watching a movie and talking about it, watching a movie where you just read the book about it and talking about it, all of that is part of any literacy curriculum as well. Um, Drawing, being out in nature, all of the science that's in that, um, visiting museums, visiting family and community, culture, social studies, all of that, again, is interwoven. But I think what happens is many times because it's not sitting in a desk in a classroom, we think it's not a certain kind of learning when actually it's the real application of all of those things that kids would be studying. So I would recommend to do things like take pictures, keep a journal. I've always kept a journal and just would jot things down of what my kids were doing, what they would say. Um, Pictures are great. I mean, now we have social media where you can have your own private account just to kind of keep a record or to keep those photos. Um, And I, I know a mom actually who loves Evernote. And she unschooled. She's six kids. And she's always kept all of their notes and and learning down on Evernote. And she's found that to be a great tool for her. And then something they can reference back and something they've used in their own job applications later on in the years. So there's actually many tools, but those are some ways. That's Yeah, that's a fantastic way to look at. I think that if we, you know, in whatever type of homeschooling we're doing, if we look at what our children are interested and maybe plan from the other side where we're journaling down what they did learn instead of trying to plan so far ahead, we're going to be more considerate of what our children need and want to learn. Yeah, the joy of learning, right? The joy of curiosity and how much really comes from that. Absolutely. For us too. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We can be the model for all of that. Thanks so much, Robin. Friends, don't forget about our new soil bundle that just launched. It's filled with so much goodness, and it's one of my favorite ones so far. You can learn more at bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast podcast.